Guys, today is your last day. It is the last day that you guys can do the survey that we have put out for you um, to help us make the podcast better. It's just four quick questions. Mm-hmm. It won't take very long. Nice and easy. Uh-huh. Just we want to know what your favorite movies are so we have some just suggestions of what to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Want to know any of your feedback for the podcast. Right. We want you to rank the segments of our podcast. Mm-hmm. You want more Dave's Game Corner? Put that thing at number one. Yeah, I did. You want less Dave's Game? I saw that. You want <laughs> less Dave's Game Corner? Put that thing down to level six. So so that's it. Uh, this is your last day. Please do it. Um, podcast will be better because of it. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks, guys. Killers, demons, ghosts outside. Screaming, you can run, but you can't hide. You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right these days without the Slasher September follow-up. I know, I miss it. Song. I miss yeah. it. Just Yeah, it's just so good. I know, Slasher <laughs> November doesn't have the same ring to it, though. No, same number of syllables. Mm-hmm. It's close. Yeah. Is there anything special about just November? Um, in terms of like a subgenre that we can incorporate? Yeah. Well, and just um, like thematically in the year, like, is there any? Um, stuff? no, I always link it with the emo band early November. That was always like a, hmm. hey, it's November. I should put on early November, and then I realized, oh no, this music does not hold up. Oh, I see. It's not great. All right, so. So no, no, <laughs> yeah, that's... no. November is that shitty time where you're like, oh, I guess fall is over. My favorite season that was so short lived, mm-hmm. and now it's already getting too cold. But this fall here in Toronto, at least, it's been ice. It's just been like pre winter. We've had like snow. We've had dustings. Yeah, and just cold always. None, none of that beautiful like fall. You know, 10, 15 degrees yeah. Celsius. Light jacket or a sweater, walking around with beautiful colored leaves. That's what we want, and we got yeah. none of it. No. No, blasted right into pre-winter. Yeah. It's sad. So, I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe it's like cool down month after after a pretty insane um, October. Yeah. For us, especially all fall with all these festivals, yeah. with all these horror movies, um, it's just get back down to a nice regular schedule or more so get the rest of our life back in order. Yeah. Yeah. Try to... Recovery is really the only way I can describe it. Yeah. And we are recovering with the one... The only remake, Suspiria. Suspiria. Just say the word, Dave. Suspiria. (laughs) That's enough of that. That was fun. Luca Guadagnino acquired the rights to make Suspiria in 2008 from the original owners. Oh, I didn't know that. So this is something that he has been sitting on for a while. He convinced both Dario and Daria to let him option a remake to this thing. So (laughs) interestingly, this is right after uh, Mother of Tears, the second sequel to the original Suspiria. You go Suspiria, Infernal, and then Mother of Tears. Okay, right. Each of them deals with one of the different witch mothers. And so this is after that one just tanked. So I kind of think that Luca Guadagnino kind of got in there at an opportune time when Argento was just like, Ugh, like this, I tried like capping off this Suspiria trilogy and it just totally tanked. And now here comes along this director and he seems to have a pretty, yeah, there's some really hype for Suspiria when, when it's at its lowest possible. 
That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So he got it. He got the rights Ooh. and then immediately offered it in 2008 to David Gordon Green. Yeah, I know. That's crazy, dude. It's nuts. Especially how topical, right? Yeah. Just got Halloween. Yeah. And he doesn't have to feel bad now. That, yeah. You know, this epic, at least in terms of scope, we haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. Remake to Suspiria is coming out after he's just dominated critically and at the box office with his other remake. Yeah, dominated and like set, sequel, set like horror records, slasher records. It's crazy. Yeah. Halloween's doing really, really well. So he does not have to feel bad. Does it make you wish we were a little lighter on it? A little easier on it? No, not at all. Okay, great. Those things are going to swim my opinion. David Gordon Green wrote a script for Suspiria then. He like wrote out the full thing. <laughs> no way. With his sound designer. He, which is genius that's the best that, yeah that just feels so true to what the spirit of the original exactly yeah get uh, your sound designer in there and make him an intricate part why didn't they just the writing process. say goblin yeah and i don't know what like he was thinking sonically that'd be really interesting to hear and it'd be really interesting to read that script mm-hmm. to see what him and his sound designer came up with yeah that's weird a written script yeah well no it was on its way man they cast isabel huper as the um mm. Uh, Madame Blanc, of course, and Isabel Furman, because she was coming right off of the success of Orphan. Okay, Orphan. Yeah, yeah, Orphan Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So she would have been. She would have been the lead. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Those two. Um, And about his script, he said, "I love Argento's film, and we wrote a very faithful, elegant, elegant opera. I don't mean musical opera, but it would be incredibly heightened music and heightened in very operatic and elegant sets." which is that sounds, that's perfect yeah that's what i want yeah and yeah weirdly crazy colorful disorienting sets yeah he doesn't say anything about color uh, luca totally does when he writes his own version a little later but this one ultimately didn't get made in 2008 because of conflicts with the studio and it led the project to being scrapped altogether wow 10 so, years ago that yeah happened. yeah so it almost got made like i mean to have something cast that means contracts are being written up and everything he's yeah. got a full script done and it's just this the studio could not get behind it this is a different time wow this is pre amazon studios pre netflix yeah pre just there's some other production company that's gonna finish or complete that project yeah pre these these giant production companies that are so big that they don't micromanage every single little film Mm -hmm. and they're like i don't know if we should throw millions of dollars at this weird sound horror sound-based horror movie yeah (laughs) yeah so we never know what that one might have been yeah, it'd be totally. interesting to unearth that script sure that's um, like the what's the the Zack snyder um batman versus superman that everybody right, wants to right. see right and then again with superman that nicholas cage superman one that they right yeah did they just film test footage or did they start filming the actual thing i feel like what i un- intuited from that is that like he was performing well like people thought he was doing a great job yeah like, so it feels like they had started and then just other external things yeah cause it to not happen yeah they shut it down yeah so this one was dead for seven years but luca still held on to the rights <laughs> my buddy luca just we're going with first name <laughs> basis from here forward what and a wise move on your buddy luca's part <laughs> yeah he just he, he didn't touch it just i guess he the, perceived. The, also the thought of like you try to get it put together is like no i don't think we're gonna make a weird sound movie so they just like toss the rights and the script in the trash like nuts <laughs> just walk away <laughs> I mean, it's gotta it's gotta be disheartening to go that far deep into a project, oh, yeah, bring yeah. it so far along, and then just to have it just Crumble, stop. Yeah. yeah, and that it's somebody else's decision to do that to your project. Totally. Yeah. So it was dead for about seven years until September 2015. He announces his plan to direct it himself. So clearly, it was still always on his mind. But instead yeah. of something that he wanted to kind of produce and oversee, he stepped up in 2015 
to direct it himself. So, so that makes me, it gives me the image of somebody who really wanted to see a project happen and then it got shut down. And then the thought of that project just curdled in their brain kept, for years and years. Yeah, it kept percolating. It was just so on the back burner. They'd, they'd see different horror movies and, and have different inspirations along the way that they could roll into that, you know, a seven year long like mental process. Yeah. And most significantly, I think people that he worked with at that time. Because in 2015, when this was announced, he was working on his movie, A Bigger Splash, which starred Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton. Sequel to A Big Splash. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, wait, is that right? No, no. <laughs> A Bigger Splash um, that starred the two leads of Suspiria. So he is mm. making this movie with them. Yeah. And he is picturing Suspiria. And he is totally. watching the two of them act. And he <laughs> is so thinking cool. about this idea that he's been sitting on for a long time that he tried to get made. And he's reinvigorated by these two actresses. Totally. And the scriptwriter of A Bigger Splash, David Kajinik, he got to write the script for Suspiria. So there's something Amazing. magical about that movie. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I've, I've had friends that have seen it and said that it's great. I haven't checked it out myself. Mm-hmm. I think it's a period piece such you're in the Second World War with just some bougie people yeah being le- leisurely hanging around a pool. But there's something... <laughs> just <laughs> I can do a bigger cannonball than you. Yeah. And scene. <laughs> is your is your sunscreen on? Yeah, I put on ten minutes ago. Okay. And scene. Who who could make the bigger splash? Are you drinking out of a uh, pineapple mm-hmm. instead of a cup? And, You're gonna get a bigger splash. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, David Kajinik also wrote the pet cemetery that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a lot of a lot of commingling in the in these projects that are all coming out around the same time. Yeah. It would be weird to have had that uh um that script written by what's his name um logan green am i right logan marshall green logan marshall green having written that halloween or or having written the suspiria script like that's such a strange thought that we could have that movie instead of like this halloween wait what does logan marshall green have to do with this the david gordon green yes thank you (laughs) thank you so you know with something like suspiria a remake of a horror classic um, there's obviously going to be some controversy and Suspiria is my favorite movie. Yes, so I want to give this. a few reasons why I am very excited for this one and why this is one that I think gives us a lot of reason to be optimistic about what it may turn out to be and look like. Okay. So this is going to be good. Yeah. So first of all, this is as we've all the information we've given so far, this is clearly a passion project. This is something that he's been sitting on and mm-hmm. trying to get made for at least 10 years who knows how long before that? Yeah. Right. And all of the years since like the first Suspiria came Iteration, out yeah. that, you know, clearly he's a huge fan of it. So like how long have the thoughts of Suspiria been percolating? Exactly. That makes me feel even better about, th- that makes me feel even better than someone like David Gordon Green directing it. Exactly. Who was like hired to yeah. direct the script. And most of the remakes we see are exactly that. It's studios wanting to make money off of an old title and... Mm-hmm just hiring people to do it and make it happen to get the cash. Yes. That's most horror remakes. Mm-hmm. So when we have something like this, that it's clearly an auteur who's coming forth and has a vision for it and has worked tirelessly for so long to make it happen. That's a reason, reason to be optimistic. We know yes. that nothing's going to be half-assed. We know that I feel safe. There's a this, lot of exactly in this director's hands. Exactly. Another big reason is part of the aspects which makes Suspiria great, of course, are the colors and the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's brilliant what he has done in this one is that he's decided to just completely leave primary colors 
out entirely to go in the totally different direction. He's going for a total wintry bleak aesthetic. And he, so he wants oh, to crazy. Yeah. Have like an equally focused choice of colors to incorporate, but do something very different and mm. not make it bright and pop, but go kind of dull and the, the opposite. So it'll make a nice contrast to Suspiria. Yeah. That is so interesting because Suspiria is one of the few movies that can be boiled down to some colors, mm-hmm. you know, or at least being heavily, heavily connected to those colors. And to try to redo that would would just be hokey, I think. Yeah, it, a, this is the second like pink and blue movie, or yeah. whatever, like pink and red movie. And you can't like you can't do that better. You can't make it yeah. more effectively green or more effectively red than those are the original colors in Suspiria. Yeah, that could become overbearing. Like, and then there'd be like a lot of cause for comparison between the two directly. Yeah, that so that would frustrate me and that would make mm-hmm. me less optimistic about it. But because he's going in the opposite direction, I think that's very interesting and exciting. Oh, that's incredibly interesting. Yeah. And to like have made that decision at all to think like, I'm going to remove these things. Yeah, he's he, again, he's been thinking about this for years and years. So he is next level with yeah. planning for this thing and it's not like i don't think just inverting any idea makes you know an, a compelling you know contrast i think sometimes that can be stupid absolutely but like, yeah. this seems like a you know a motivated well thought through it seems wise yeah yeah it does it seems better than attempting to just do the thing itself agreed and yeah. more interesting than just to be like oh colors aren't important at all let's just film this like we would film any other film yeah totally. you know what and i mean it I seems also... faithful to the original while not being hokey about yeah, I also kind of like the thought of like younger people who might see the new Suspiria first and then having like a trip down memory lane with a parent or something and you watch the original and they see it in the reverse colors. But, you know, with that heavily red inspired look at like the second time they see it. I think that's an interesting. Yeah. An interesting piece to have. Yeah, that's an experience we'll never be able to have. Nope. Going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of sound to not attempt or not hire like you know the epic synthy band that is goblin but also hire an equally capable talented musician like tom york to just have free reign and create a whole soundscape for it yeah that's also like yes have one artist in control of the whole sound of the thing and someone who we know is incredibly talented makes really creepy weird music that isn't going to be the same as goblin but it's going to be it's equally own thing yeah that's uh, you like unique concepts rather than just like this is the closest version yeah that we have now instead of going like what who's the modern goblin Let's yeah just find exactly the thing like no no no. find that's another awesome. artist who yeah. is going to do something really cool new with it so both of those i think those are the two most crucial things about Suspiria the original and i think just at least on paper they've made great decisions for yeah. how to proceed with this movie so i think that's a great reason to be optimistic for this one um yeah and then also I wanted to comment on how um, like all this Tilda Swinton kind of internet explosion and in conspiracy theories because okay. this has been a very interesting thing to monitor for those of us who have been paying close attention to Suspiria since it was announced and since they started filming it. Yeah, but what's going on with this? You're going to have to explain this to all of us. Yeah, so the internet kind of exploded a few months ago when someone put out this theory that they thought was... Um, like riveting or groundbreaking that one of the characters, a weird old psychologist character in the movie um, was also played by Tilda Swinton. It's like clearly this old man, but they're like, they were looking at photos of him and they're like, I think that Tilda Swinton also plays this old man character. 
And then people started going nuts on the internet. Like, oh my God, is Tilda Swinton secretly also playing this other character in the movie? How crazy is that? And the character was credited to a different actor with a different name. Like it wasn't credited to Tilda Swinton. It was credited to a fake psychiatrist who the movie had said, like this psychiatrist existed and we used him for the movie or something like that. Okay. So if you rewind to the filming of this movie, the very first set photos that leaked from the Suspiria set were photos of Tilda Swinton in the old man costume that said, here's Tilda Swinton playing an old man in Suspiria. Uh, so the what? very the earliest images that we got of what Suspiria was going to look like uh, was of Tilda Swinton dressed up as an old man. So this wasn't really news for people who yeah, had been following Suspiria. Like news. But then once that broke and that internet controversy kind of exploded especially on twitter um then it started to become more clear especially with them trying to attribute it to some other man that the studio and maybe the director had intended to try to make that obscure they didn't want people to know that tilda swinton that's at least my read yeah yeah i could uh, yeah that makes the most sense hearing that whole story and that would have been a very compelling interesting thing to not know and go into this movie and then put it together after sure yeah but it seems like it was something that was kind of botched just first of all because of the paparazzi leaking photos of tilda swinton in the old man costume and then right at that moment the studio was like oh i guess this isn't salvageable but then seems like they tried they tried anyways it seems as some people don't know and some people took the bait and it went like a half yeah and then it went kind of halfway there but then of course enough people on twitter just kept commenting and reposting those old photos and be like no no this we've known this for a while this explains it so now at this point with like a couple like up to the, a couple weeks before the movie came out they straight up just said tilda swinton plays actually three characters in this movie yeah exactly <laughs> that's the big change yeah so which is too bad because it, again it would have been a very interesting It'd be nice to thing to have pulled off over time yeah or even just like when you're watching it being like oh my god i think she's playing those characters as well yeah um i don't know how dressed up this third character is i haven't seen a screenshot of her nope but obviously she plays madame blanc but then she also plays Helena Marcos, um, the matron of the place, mm-hmm. which I believe in the original is just those two main old creepy women. Like yeah. Madame Blanc is kind of the head witch of all of them. Yeah. But then I think the matron is the one who first welcomes Susie the next morning and shows her around and is very insistent. Right. Yes. Her yes. up and back. Um, she's also from Eyes Without a Face. And then, yeah, also she plays Joseph Klemperer, a psychologist who becomes embroiled in the coven. So interesting. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting thing to kind of document that this this attempt of the studio mm. to maybe do something creative and then paparazzi kind of blew it. And then when Twitter did take the bait in a way that they maybe would have liked under different circumstances, all of kind of Suspiria Twitter quickly <laughs> pointed out that right. like, this is well we're established. Yeah. yeah, we're one step ahead of you. And it was like a major film critic too who had thought he had like uncovered this yeah. brilliant thing. Yeah, just leaking an image of here's where waldo is in this photo and then you know yeah a few months later is like can you find waldo in this photo <laughs> yeah but i'm still very excited to see Tilda sure. Swinton do something like this yeah but like what was the so the controversy is it was what just people didn't know that that was the case and then that suspiria steered into it i i think they attempted it it's it's kind of weird to even call it a controversy it's kind yeah. of just something that happened to this movie people just got excited about like what is going on with who is T- tilda swinton playing yeah i think maybe they they maybe tried to st- i don't know if they you could say they steered into it but it's like they were planning on making it this kind of secret thing and then oh, okay and then once it kind of twitter kind of exploded with it 
then and the counter response to that explosion pointing out that oh yeah no we're well aware of what's actually going on here right. made the studio eventually like have these facts out there that Tilda Swinton plays three characters okay that's something that's come forth and even Tilda Swinton herself came forward after all that controversy and said mm-hmm. everyone kept asking me um do I also play um Joseph Klemper and who is this elusive Lutz Lutz something the, like the actor right. plays him she's like no one thought to ask me do I play Lutz someone whatever his last name was yeah of course which the answer is yes I play that guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah you wanted to settle this just ask me directly yeah exactly. it's a good way to do it <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I'm excited for her performances yeah absolutely all three of them all three of them and then the other big thing that has kind of um pre precluded this movie's release was this lawsuit that happened and it's interesting to see the studio's response to this as well because once the first trailer to Suspiria was released the estate of a Cuban-American artist named Anna Mendieta um, instantly sent a cease and desist to Amazon Studio because they found that two of the images from that first trailer just like the way that the shots were framed with the characters in certain places um, bore too striking too striking a resemblance to um, the original artist's work. They said, hey, you're actually ripping off these paintings. They uh, sent a cease and desist to Amazon. And then Amazon quietly just removed those images from the trailer. But then once they saw a full cut of the movie, the estate of this artist who passed, she passed away, the original artist passed away in the 80s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but her estate is the one pursuing this legal action. They found 10 more images throughout the movie that were just way too close to paintings of hers. So they actually sued Amazon Studios Whoa. for taking too many liberties with um, just directly copying these images. Totally. And they ultimately settled out of court and they took those images out of the film. So if you got to see Suspiria in Venice or if you got to see it at Beyond Fest or at the Overlook Fest, wow. you were among the few people who got to see the full film with those images in it. Wow, so like the images being cut, meaning like those scenes are removed or trimmed? or So I posted about this on Twitter, and someone who, or actually it was on a Facebook, in a Facebook group, and someone who had seen both cuts of the movies responded and said, and tried to like, uh, just like de-escalate any concern that people had. Because uh, just like I was, other people were a little frustrated with, oh man, like yeah. how how did they not just work out a deal where they could just pay pay them some cash and keep those scenes in? Like I want to see whatever cool shit, especially if it was inspired by an artist. Like how totally. how did the studio and director not, if they were inspired, which it seems like they clearly were, how did they not reach out to them and maintain a relationship and like yeah. try to work with the estate instead of just doing it and then hoping that it would work you know yeah that's a little questionable yeah do it now and then like ask forgiveness now instead of permission yeah it seems like a a weird move to make but this person who had seen both cuts responded that no scenes in their entirety are cut it's more just nightmare sequences in the movie that just kind of flash certain images of the characters and certain poses and arrangements Uh, that are borrowed from those art pieces i see so I mean, I still consider that a loss because I love sure. nightmare sequences. I want to see some weird shit. Oh, and I can right? just imagine now how crazy that must be. I know. So I'm I'm still ultimately disappointed that they did not find a way to keep those images and also um, compensate the estate. Sure. But um, yeah, luckily it's nothing substantial, it seems. We're not losing any major that's plot good. or major uh, moments in the film. Yeah, that's good. You can imagine though, if it does seem like, you know, your 
uh, estate or your artwork's been ripped off, you know, by a production who was just about to try to slip it, you know, across the desk and like, here oh. it is, wide release. Like, I wouldn't want to. Oh, no, it's totally their fault. Yeah. It's, I, I can't believe that they would let it get this far, that no producers on this movie caught that. Yeah. Yeah. Said, hey, shouldn't we reach out to, unless like, unless the director just totally didn't tell anyone about it, him and the set designer mm-hmm. just like kind of kept it on the DL, but it just seems like a crazy risk to take. I really want to find out more Yeah, about exactly what happened there and who's making the decisions and who knew what. Yeah. And maybe we will one day, but everything in the days when that was kind of unfolding, everything that I could find, it wasn't even substantially reported on. Like there was one piece, one kind of short, maybe 400 word piece in Hollywood reporter or something. And it just kind of ended with, uh, we reached out to Amazon and they did not respond with a comment. So yeah, okay. it seems like they just want to bury it and move forward and not have it linger over this movie. That's doesn't make it less suspicious. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, all wow. that to introduce this film, because this is a very big one for us. Um, we watched the Spirit for the first time together a little over two years ago for this podcast. Yeah, it's true. And it uh, changed your world. It really did. Made me think about a fake bat for a long, long time. Yeah, you bring it up every time. Every single time, and I never won't. And I'm looking for it in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's some tribute to the bat. Right? I hope, I like, hope a, so. like a little like a toy in someone's room or something like that. That'd be nice. Yeah, it, like it goes rattling in the night, you know, it starts flapping, <laughs> making its weird sound for one second. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, give me that. Now I know that, that is a battery operated like there are just that's a cat toy. Yeah. <laughs> but especially in like 1977, that is like there's the reason it's so big is because there's like six D batteries sure, in there. Yeah. <laughs> and they they die after 10 minutes of the wings flapping. Yeah. The the fishing rod that's holding the thing up is like bent way over because how heavy all those batteries are. <laughs> uh, OK, let's go to. Scaring two. Scaring two. What did you watch this week for Scare and Tell? Um, I watched Blood and Black Lace, which is a Mario Bava film from 1964. Awesome. Tell me about it. It's very great for our topic on hand. Um, As we were saying, uh, we watched The Superior for the first time a couple years ago. And the main thing Mm -hmm. that made me want to do that movie then was Neon Demon. I loved Neon Demon when that came out in 2016. Most people hate this movie. Uh, I feel like there are a few lovers of it out there. So Wait, Neon Demon solidarity or, for or, or all of us. Neon Demon. Neon Demon. Neon Demon. Absolutely. That's sad. It's too bad, right? It's unfortunate. Yeah, I think maybe hopefully it'll be a thing that gets a little bit more redeemed in time. Uh, I think you just have to watch it more as just like this kind of living nightmare, this dreamy yeah. weird thing. You can't take it too seriously as a grounded movie sure yeah it's not what it is no it's just aesthetically pleasing and it's it's just a very uncomfortable experience for this character yeah it's it's well really well made and it's just got such a such a punch at the end just climaxes mm-hmm. so well yeah um yeah anyway so neon demon was my gateway into giallos a couple years ago and that was because suspiria and argento were cited as clear influences mm-hmm. yeah as or clear influences yeah, on I always, Neon Demon. I always connect the two because of that. Yeah. But the more Bava films I watch, the more that I suspect that Mario Bava was actually the true inspiration for mm. for Neon Demon. I mean, sure, Argento as well, but I think Argento maybe is inspired by Bava. And especially films like Planet of the Vampires and this one, Blood and Black Lace. Um, okay. Like I've said before, Nick Winding Refn was restoring Planet of the Vampires when he was working on Neon Demon. So right. he's watching this footage all the time while planning his yeah, movie. He's getting into his brain. Yeah. And um, 
Planet of the Vampires, when you're on that actual planet, there's these color washes that also remind you of Suspiria. But I think hmm. maybe he got his neon demon color ideas from that. Interesting. But then also blood and black lace. There are just so many washes of colors, just like Suspiria, that just look gorgeous. Okay. There is an cool. awesome u- use of score throughout the movie. I mean, even just the opening credits has the characters just kind of posing in these strange ways with cool colors behind them with mm. an awesome music playing underneath. Like I've never like probably some of the coolest opening credits Whoa. I've seen. You just get so pumped up for the movie. What year is this? This is 1964. 64. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, ultimately this one is a bit of a disappointment in that the story is fine. I mean, it's an early giallo, so it's not very complicated. It's a little straightforward. Okay. It takes place at a fashion house. So it's all about models again with, come back to neon demon i think i think this was the key film influence on neon demon it's just a bunch of models and there's an obvious line to draw yeah and one of them gets killed and then it becomes clear that the one who got killed had a diary of all the crimes that were committed by other people in the fashion house so Mm. now it's like people are trying to get the diary but people who kind of are getting closer to it keep getting killed so it's just kind of Uh, like yeah yeah it's just kind of like a straightforward slasher it's not it's not overly substantial in its plot, but mm-hmm. the style is what makes this movie fantastic. Like I will watch it again and again just because really? how okay. amazing it looks, how great it sounds. Um, yeah, it's clearly a huge influence on on Refn and on Argento for Neon Demon, which okay, and Spiria, I think. I mean, this came out. Well, I guess that makes sense. Thirteen years before. before. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Check Very it out. Interesting. That's all I'm gonna say on that one. Yes. I mean, I guess I should watch it. That one. Like, I think we've talked about a million times, like going back to 1964 seems a little laborious, you know? Yeah, that's that's it. I guess it's just um, slower plot, slower time. But like visually, it's just got that visually and sonically. It's got that. It's the style carries it forward, especially again, like you hit play and you're starting. You're like, oh, this is going to be fucking good. I don't even know what this is about, but I love what I'm seeing. So that'd be a good double feature then with uh, Neon Demon. Yeah, go that Suspiria Neon Demon. That's Triple awesome. feature. Sweet. That's awesome. If you want, and then if you want Suspiria. to be washed in color. Yeah. And then Suspiria. 2018 Suspiria. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's to lull you to sleep. Awesome. Uh, how about you? What did you watch this week for Scare and Tell? Um, I watched a thing. It worked out well for me, but um, it seemed like it was the first episode of a show, but it as it stands, it's just like a one-off little, little documentary style um, thing. It's called Primal Screen. Um, and it's on Shutter. Screen or Scream? The screen. Okay. Primal Screen um, in reference to um, like seeing stuff as a kid on TV, like images that you don't totally understand or can't c- totally contextualize that scare you. And then how those memories, those like somewhat distorted or misremembered things, you know, exist in a primal way mm-hmm. in, in the screen that is your memory and how that can go on to scare you as an adult moving forward so basically they interview three people about um the topic in this first and currently only one is uh um, dolls and ventriloquist dummies and it it references this movie um from 78 called i believe 78 called uh magic which is with anthony hopkins i've heard of this yeah yeah. and uh it's a psychological horror movie Mm-hmm. You know, which makes me think like, you know, is the doll or the dummy doing totally. crazy stuff, but it's in his head, like kind of, yeah. that's got to be what that's all about, right? Is it really a possessed doll or is this man nuts? It, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And Anthony Hopkins is the guy to do that. And so that's, that's awesome. With probably like a thick head of brown hair or something that you would not be able to imagine. Kind of, kind of, yeah. On right? the posters that what I year saw did you say this, it was? Um, I think it's 78. 
Yeah. Um, so what it's talking from these three people who were kids who um, I think two of them in these interviews um, talk about seeing that trailer on TV and they go through the trailer for magic and how it's like this ventriloquist dummy speaking, um, saying this weird rhyme and then um, going and we're dead and then its eyes roll up in its head. And it stays like that for a while, and then the title comes on. It's like magic, direct, but whatever. Duh, duh. And then the eyes roll back, and then it slowly looks off to the side of the screen where theoretically there should be a ventriloquist um, guy. And there's no one there. But it's just this doll's face. And so it's like, and it chronicles these people because they're just being interviewed and telling their stories, but it's being dramatized on screen for you with mm-hmm. some pretty good actors and stuff and some kind of base, really horror like scenarios. Like there's a kid, the kid is describing himself as a kid seeing this commercial for the first time right. and how before the commercial he had an interest in ventriloquist dummies because he they found them hilarious and that's mm-hmm. how they existed in pop culture as far as he was concerned as very funny comedians props. And so he had his own and he was getting into it and then he saw this trailer and in the dramatization like um, the camera's like swooping around the room and you see this terrified kid watching the trailer and then it goes behind the TV and the TV is just a glass box and there's actually a dummy inside of it Mm -hmm. and then there's this guy wearing a ventriloquist suit. It's just a full black bodysuit like with like featureless face and it's creepy as hell. And these kids are talking about how their, their really deep seated fears of dolls and ventriloquist dummies came and, and it deals with like the uncanny Valley and stuff. And it was just really, really, really insightful because it wasn't too many professionals saying this is what happens to the human brain as far as like fear. And it was just true reports of the experience of this, this horrifying trailer. Exactly. And how these people reacted to my mother made porcelain dolls and you know and being a kid being terrified of them like how it affects relationships and stuff like that it sounds was, amazing so it was oriented it was around just this one commercial or at least this episode was um most of it was about that they get a little bit into the uncanny valley and you know show some like robotics and stuff like that but yeah it's over the these three interviewees are kind of telling their stories so it talks about them in like five segments about like when you're kids you know when you're a little bit older right. the second iteration or the second time you saw it when you got over the fear, if you did, those sorts of things. Man, I really, first of all, that sounds amazing. It I was can't great. wait to check that out. It was great. Um, but I hope that that means when they do more of them, it'll be just different other yeah. horror movies that had also equal impacts. On yeah, people. and just things like that, things that exist in your day-to-day life and how as a kid you get weirdly affected. Like for me, I would want, that's why I watched it is like, I hope they talk about some stuff that I could recognize. Right, yeah. Um, I would love to hear something about like the X-Files theme. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What would be our parallels? Things that just really struck our imagination that we didn't even watch the movie of, but just had little bits of. Yeah, I think we all have something like that where we don't know what the movie is. We can't even really describe what the scene is, but there's something that we remember that's so scary about it. Oh my God, yeah. There was one that I just had resolved on Reddit this past Mm -hmm. year. Maybe I brought this up before, but it ended up being something because you go to Reddit tip of my tongue and you can just yeah, describe something yeah. vague and in half an hour, someone's got it for you. It's like salty and crunchy bacon. Like so, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I should have really thought of that myself. That wasn't hard. Um, so th- I've had this image that I remember seeing when I was a young kid that terrified me and I just ran out of the room and never uh-huh. watched the rest of it. And I had no idea what it was. And I just remember it was people being lured into kind of this barn mm-hmm. by kind of these these um farmers that lived there and there ended up being kind of these steel doors that opened up and like you know fog machine and there was this whole kind of crazy high-tech facility in the back of the barn and then they were Mm. lured in there and then they were kind of strapped down 
to these tables and then these giant needles would just like come down into their chest and they couldn't do anything uh, about they were trapped to it and it, i just remember the slow shot of the needle entering someone's chest and i just like booked it out of the room dude and it's always kind of stayed with me just because of the amount of fear that those images gave totally. me totally it turns out it's the pilot to star trek voyager <laughs> Oh my god, dude, that's so fucking hilarious. Yeah. And wow. it's it's quite powerful to go back and watch that now because it just mm. totally demystifies all of it. Like totally. it just it takes it right away. Yeah. There's all, almost something special about having it with that kind of mystery attached to, to it. Yeah. Now it's, context. Now it's, it's diffused. It's yeah. this boogeyman that you could never quantify or qualify. Right. Yeah. right. I um for me, I remember being a kid and um, reading through, but I never understood what I was, you know, reading, especially if it was like some whimsical kids. I don't know what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to get through and look at pictures and stuff. And I remember reading Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. Oh, my God. And I didn't remember that that was about like the environment and stuff like that made no sense to me. Uh, like trees getting chopped down all that it was is out of like the holes in the in the tree trunks and stuff came a, a weird gloved hand and little eyes in the darkness and a creature called the lorax who is like reclusive and you know mysterious and that just stuck with me for a long time and i didn't even know it was dr seuss i didn't know what it was i didn't know how that story went but i'm like I just remember this weird, creepy cartoon because Dr. Seuss out of context is creepy as shit. Uh, this weird cartoon where hands were coming out of trees and it could just do anything. And this, dear listeners, is why Troll Hunter is one of Dave's <laughs> top 10 favorite horror movies. Yeah, one of my top two favorite horror movies. <laughs> yeah, and why things like Pumpkinhead really yeah. stood out to you. Totally. Yeah, I just... It's uh, a, oh, man. It's amazing the effect that mm-hmm. those things have on you. Yeah. Wow. Primal Screen. Primal Screen. It was awesome. And I really hope they make more. Yeah, I think um, the date I saw that was 2017. Okay. So I'm not sure what's up with right, that. Right, what does that mean? As yeah. far as I can tell, it's just a one-off. But, I mean, on IMDb, it's listed as a TV series. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they make more. And, like, if you watch it on Shutter, that's maybe one of those things that can yeah. help with that process. Boost those numbers, everyone. Because it's awesome. It was really cool. Yeah, maybe it was, like, a pilot that didn't go very far, and then Shutter picked up the pilot and with yeah. the potential interest in expanding it or returning yeah, to it that that seems likely it does seem like a pilot but it's just i mean that's just candy for horror fans that just is such a great idea it was awesome dude yeah <laughs> it, they did a really good job like it does creep you out in moments there's a part where the kid who has a ventriloquist dummy he sees this trailer and he's like i he locks up the dummy in a chest and puts it under his bed he's like no more oh shit he's scared of it now it's now a terrifying thing for him and then there's this one night he's like i don't know what to tell you guys but you know i'm mm-hmm. lying in bed one night and yeah, I hear one of the class pop open. Did you go, did you watch Magic then afterwards? I No, I didn't watch it, but I might. It's because, I mean, it seems it seems like a great movie. Yeah. In fact, I think they made like a ton of money on it too. Really? So it was successful? I think it was very successful, oh. yeah. Anthony Hopkins, like. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't sure how big he was at that time, 78. Yeah, even if he's not big, I know he's good. Yeah, that's so true. I'm, I'm very true. happy to watch that movie. Very true. Mads Mikkelsen's also very good too. Hannibal. That's coming along. I'm on yeah. middle of season two right now. Oh my God. It's great. That's yeah, awesome. Right? You got to watch it. You got to watch it. All right. Season one now feels just like a prologue to what season two has become. Oh, I love that shit, man. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. I think it's about time to go see what this movie's all about. Freaking Suspiria. Are you serious? Suspiria. Are you serious? That was Suspiria. That was it. 
I wonder if if uh, we sound any different after having seen that movie. If you know, just our voices are coming off different. If some po- top forty in the background is maybe coming through. In the I mix. wonder if anything at all has changed. Perks of watching this movie when we have to work in the morning Mm-mm. and recording a podcast at one a.m. <laughs> in a desolate but loud theater. Yeah, I was gonna say, wait, what perks? Uh huh. I don't know, no perks. So yeah, that was Suspiria. Did you catch all the Swintons? Uh, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true. I just stopped trying like a little bit into the movie. I'm like, I know I'm looking for two more. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I stopped, I just stopped looking. So, that, um, what that's about, amazing. what about, uh, can I guess? Absolutely. Because that, <laughs> that's something that really took me out of the movie. Well, yeah. You like, you talked about the top, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I let that go. Okay. Make I, some guesses. Uh, glasses. Yeah. Next step. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor professor dude. And honestly, to me, that was hard. We may as well, yeah, we may as well start because you basically flaws. said that, like that. That's the old man makeup, like yeah, yeah. I, but I'm just like no, no, and, yeah, and I don't accept this. Having that image early on may have influenced it, um, like the image that leaked from set about a year ago when they filmed it. So knowing in advance what Tilda Swinton looks like in that makeup may have influenced right. recognizing your ability to recognize. But d- does it not look like bad prosthetics at the same time? No, it, it looks good. To me, yeah. So, like, listeners, this is going to be the thing. Let us know. Um, because I, I just... Not it worked on you. It worked yeah. on you. In fact, so much so that I'm like, it can't be. Right. Yeah. Totally. Like, I mean, compare it to a recent example uh, which in Ghost Stories with Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. Like, that one... Remind ba- me. Remind me. Uh, Martin Freeman was, like, a character in it, but he also played an old man that we were like, yes, wait, yes, is that yes. him? Is yeah, that him? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like him. Um, but that one, to me, is bad prosthetics, if, if anything. That's what I'm saying. It Maybe it's me just off. because I, I knew the whole time that from the moment they come on screen, like, oh, yeah, that's Tell us doing an old man thing. Yeah, so this is one I'd like to hear from people, like, what they... Who, st- who may not have known yeah. that going in advance. Because we got an even split here on the podcast. I, like, so much, though, I knew... Mm-hmm. Like things like old man makeup, Tilda Swinton three times. Like yeah. basically I knew there's no other old man. Like I should have known, but I told myself as I was watching, like it's impossible. Yeah. And where that really kind of put a dent in the movie for me is I was kind of locked in on that the whole time. And the whole, t- uh. anytime that doctor was on screen, I'm like, okay, this is Tilda Swinton doing a fun, weird character. And I didn't buy it as a result. The whole time I'm like, oh, this is Tilda Swinton doing a weird old man impression. And I didn't buy it as a real character. And I didn't like the choices. Like, I overanalyzed it way too much. Dude. And it took me out of it. I had the exact opposite experience where now that I'm certain it was Tilda Swinton, I'm Mm. like, that was maybe the best performance in the movie. Oh, my God. Really? Wow. (laughs) So that is the desired effect that the director wanted, obviously, from doing a choice like this. For me, it doesn't really work. And that could be shaped by it. No. Oh my God, that blows my mind. I'll never know. And I actually, because, Holy okay, shit, full disclosure, we recorded this, uh, the intro a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And in between then and now, there was also a free screening. The, so this is my second viewing of the film, technically. Yeah, in fact, I was going to be going to that free screening. It just didn't work out. Just Unfortunately. Of timings. And somehow, fucking 1 a.m. right now on a work night this worked out. This is somehow out. more convenient. Ah. <laughs> All right. I'm but, good. I'm so happy. So the first time I was more frustrated with the Doctor character, Okay, I felt like what is this tangent? What is this kind of side plot? How does it supplement the story? I definitely came around a little bit more on it. I definitely saw Mm -hmm. more reasons why you would have that in there. Maybe it was being somewhat too much attached to the first one, which is kind of inevitable watching a remake. Of course. That I'm like, okay, what does this offer it? And it really is only kind of a few things that that Doctor character 
offers the remake. Yeah. And they're only slightly alluded to, which is, I think, a problem for a lot of things in this movie. Things that are just kind of slightly alluded to and not fully explored. Okay. But the doctor in particular, they say at dinner, um, like Madame Blanc just throws out, hey, I want to bring back that old uh, bringing a witness thing. Right. And they're all like, yeah, let's do that. And they didn't explain why that's important. No, it was just, she said it was an old part of the tradition yeah. and she wanted to bring back the witness to doing that ritual. But also, secondly, the doctor offers um, kind of a conduit for the audience to have someone exploring the skeptical side. Like, yeah. okay, are these witches? What's going on? So sure. that, that is useful. Um, yes, and that worked very well for on good old Dave, uh-huh. who saw Suspiria one time. Great. And so no part of you one. like had any issue with the doctor character at all? No, and I've, I, I don't, I don't want to... Not not the character at all, but I don't. I also want to the things that I didn't catch mm-hmm. as like being like, oh, that's like a really weak homage, like to the first one. That I'm gonna miss that sort of stuff. So I don't want to say with confidence that every moment where they dropped the ball in reference to the first movie yeah. was okay or done well. Drop the ball in reference to the first movie, uh-huh. yeah, or not necessarily drop the ball, but like something like as we talk through this, if they, there's some sort of reference oh, that see. didn't work, or yeah, like the, uh, they make homage but they don't explain why they're doing something, I may miss it. Right. There's yeah, I think so. In, in that, ca- on that note, I think there are very few kind of okay homages, and I, th- I think there are a couple. And um, I mean, from the first one, it's really just kind of taking the general premise very, and yeah. the characters' yeah, yeah, names. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of. Yeah. where it stops and so many things that i thought were like emblematic and like so like it has to be this way weren't yeah. really no weren't really shown or brought up like and it's great because it throws you for a loop totally yeah like the whole time knowing the original you're kind of suspecting like you're waiting Susie to be the one to kind of mm. explore and end the thing dude 100%. not her be the full realization of the thing yeah. so the inversion of the mythology is very satisfying. The be- that and very well done. And like, yeah, I'm stunned at the end. Yeah. In, yeah. in a like sensory overload of a final sequence, I'm just stunned with that reveal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we drift too far from the Argento uh, homages throughout the film. Okay. Um, one thing that stands out to me, I'm sure there are a bunch of other ones that I didn't pick up on as well. Mm-hmm. But if, we re- if you recall in the original, whenever they refer to kind of the head mother... Um, there's always kind of this loud snoring sound. Remember when they're all kind of yes. sleeping in the common yeah. area? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of repeat that same type of snore with the mother. Susie's Susie's mother. mom. Yeah. When she's lying in bed sick. Yes. She's kind of making that same sound. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't place that. Mm-hmm. Like, it did seem not out of place because, I mean, it's difficult to point at something in this movie and but say it, it doesn't reminded belong. you. Yeah, something yeah. was, I'm like, that's important. I mean, clearly, I guess, if as soon as a sound, you know, penetrates outside of its scene, you know, especially yeah. persistently like that, you know, it catches the mind. But Totally. That's a cool, I like that one. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah, And then the other one that I picked up on both times was there's like a weird flair with the sound editing that is very much the way Argento movies play with sound as well, like especially in mm. a revealing or suspenseful scene where they'll kind of like cut out all other noise and just like elevate breathing to a full yeah, thing sure. and then just kind of yeah. drop out the entire sound and flip through a bunch of different shots at once. And that's something that happens in Suspiria, happens in Deep Red, happens oh, okay. in Tenenbrae. Like it's just this kind of these quick heightened moments. Yeah. And they did it, especially in the first act, there was like two or three moments like that. Sure. And that's like how the dream sequences looked. When yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And like little splashes of neon color here and there mm-hmm. in certain dreamy sequences. Yeah, that's that's when they would occur is in those 
two or three. Sort yeah, of. well, like those sound entity ones were near the beginning, but then near the end, there were like just kind of moments where they would wash color over certain frames. And you're right, one of them was when Tilda Swinton was casting dreams at Susie. Yep. <laughs> and her, like, it went full purple or whatever. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah, and that's, I'm trying to remember if there's any other ones that were notable. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there was, but I mean, overall, like, as I'm just zoomed out, this is the scope of what I mostly saw in the movie. It was a very, like, drab, dull-colored... Yeah, absolutely. For, yeah, very, very uh, lame chromatic. It was, like, just, all just of bleak, the foresty, yeah. bleak, yeah. Totally dark, different vibe. Yeah. Um, like, even dark scenes, they wouldn't light the characters well enough, which is cool. Gets yeah. Them actually walking through dark rooms and stuff. Absolutely. I also watching it here at the Cineplex versus Bell Lightbox downtown. Mm, right. I feel like that's a brighter screen. Like ah. I feel like the brightness, I don't know if it's just the projectors in the different theaters, but this was the first time that I've really noticed seeing one film, you know, the next day across both theaters. Ah, we got reason to believe this this specific screen we saw it at a suspect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the the back canvas we noted on the way out is yeah. a little has a little crease in it too. Yeah, before you showed up the lights were flickering and people they were, were commenting. Yeah, like <laughs> flickering. <laughs> Like, people were going, like, hey, this is making me uncomfortable. That's great. Build the mood. Yeah. Just start doing weird shit Yeah, like just that. agitate the audience. That, yeah. That's a good Suspiria move. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the mythology of the original one is so different than this one. Yeah, and, dude. In the original, you have Damn. Mother Suspiriorum as kind of this head figure who has kind of existed for centuries, mm-hmm. who gets her lifeblood by just kind of more witches coming underneath her and existing and kind of having seances or whatever to ensure her power. Yeah. Yeah. Doing witch stuff. To like ensure her power and kind of keep her somewhat secret, not bring too many people into the fold. Yes. And then you have the whole, if you kill Mother Suspiriorum, who is kind of that apparition-y figure, can disappear in a lightning storm, Mm -hmm. cut off the head, then it kind of kills all the other witches too. Right. Yeah. And at the same time... helping me. (laughs) And at the same time, um, you have the whole mythology explained at that scene where Susie is with one of Sarah's relatives um, who's also a doctor and is explaining witches to Susie. Sure. In the first one. Like doctors do. Yeah. And (laughs) says that um, like all witches are for a force of evil. Like this is a seventies take on witches Mm -hmm. and it sees witches very much in a pure negative light. And in that movie, it treats witches as something that need to be overcome. Whereas in this one, I feel like witches are a very different kind of force. Yeah, it's it's a more tragic internal take on them. Like mm-hmm. it, it shows, it kind of shows some like community community and camaraderie inside of the coven. Like mm-hmm. it, I don't, you're right. It is a very very different, hard to quantify take. It's definitely wrathful and vengeful at the same sure. time. Yeah, um, but like but also like kind of benevolent and forgiving. Yeah, like a little bit calm and like yeah, like the, that gentle. moment at the end where she's like. Telling yeah. the doctor, like, yeah, fear or shame and guilt are important, yeah. but not for you. Like, for your your fear yeah. and your shame do not need to be so punished. Yeah. And I will allow you to forget all your trauma and you can move on. Yeah, that's like a straight up gift to, like, not kill the dude is the, like, we're merciful thing. Yeah, but then yeah, yeah. to go seek him out and, like, on behalf of all the, the people who are with me, yeah, you know, here's what happened to her and here are the memories gone. Yeah, and like, to give him that moment of of like closure before yeah. then wiping all the memories yeah. of his, like the entire memories of his wife. Yeah. Of Anka, of Susie, of Patricia. Yeah. Of Sarah. That. that was a touching, yeah. Touching last little moment. 
That was nice. And there's a weird dizzy, disorienting phase in the middle where he gets like helped to the door and walked out and just like stumbles off into the night. And like at that moment, I was just like, my head was spinning. I'm like, what? <laughs> In well, especially because the giant uh, seance just ended. Sure, yeah. The ritual or whatever you call that. Yeah, um, and I mean like... And I feel like he was just either stunned or under some kind of a mind spell to be kind of whisked home. Sure, sure. some... Either way. It almost doesn't matter what was going on. No, in no, no. It's just watching him, Tilda Swinton, do that. Like, I don't know, man. That was a great performance. Yeah, the doctor... The doctor. Uh, uh, it, it does not work for me. We have to disagree on that. That's okay. Totally but, okay. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so for the vengeful side of the which mm. like... It's pretty striking that in that kind of final moment and scene, she just kills everyone who voted for Marcos. Yeah. Dude. Right. Yeah. So like there, there's a certain allegiance to Madame Blanc, even though she was the one who was kind of resisting what was happening in the last moment. She, I, Susie is still very much um, more of a fan of her on her team. Yeah, she was totally. the one who she saw dance in New York, mm-hmm. you know, long, long before even coming to Berlin. Exactly. So yeah. S- Susie would have preferred the coven go in that direction with the voting. Although it was only a few votes. So it's like, it feels more close. like half, half very of them were taken out and half of them survived. But she just wiped all of them out with her little henchman, which I think is the villain from Sinister. Didn't expect him to pop up here. What was it? Oh yeah. What demon, was that? The demon guy who crawled out of the ground. That seemed like a big, tall, scary thing. Yeah. And it seemed like something that the witches all kind of had on hand and knew was down there yeah. to use at their disposal. And that was kind of a turning point, especially for Marcos, yeah. who was the like Jabba the <laughs> Tilda the Hun or whatever. We were on. That <laughs> nice was the other Tilda Swinton, by the way, in that crazy ass. Of course, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah. Oh, dude. That's but so good. because the moment that they realized that that thing obeyed her was kind of the moment, and maybe they all just—you could say—they all sensed it too. But they all just kind of realized, oh shit, no, Susie is the real deal here. Yeah. She is what all this is always pointed to. So I guess um, earlier on, um, there was some conversation where they were talking about how Marcos suggests that she's one of the three mothers or, or something like that. There was yeah, like I'm, some sort of lie or dishonesty or something like that, that she was called out for or something. Yeah. I'm still kind of unclear on that and what the vote means. Cause they all kind of voted for either one or the mm-hmm. other and Marcos got it. And then even, um, Tanner, I think is the one who is Madame Blanc's like right hand. Yeah. Yeah. With the short brown hair. Yeah. Blood all over her face at the end. At the end. Yeah. yeah. Great. That was such a great shot. Oh, okay. man, she killed it. Um, but she seems to, she seems to keep calling, um, Marcos mother to like refer as mother, mother Spirit. So I'm yeah. wondering if like, does that vote just affirm for the covenant who they anoint as superior, like as the head and that Susie was kind of seeing this as a desecration. So like uh, I'm, okay. I'm a little murky on that. Yeah. Same. I, I totally can't land on it. Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. And I'm also trying to nail what that whole ritual was for because they kind of allude yeah well they 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 talk about throughout the film that they're preparing for this thing and they keep talking about like that time is running out that marcos is dying they seem to be that's what it seems to be like and that this is something this ritual is something that will give her life Mm -hmm. so all the witches seem to be under the impression that the purpose of this ritual is to give Marcos who they voted to be mother superior and like allow through a new dancer yeah, to give okay. her that full power and full life. But what they're not aware of is that this ritual actually is to kind of like establish the true mother superior, which is Susie Banyan in right, yes. like to bring her into the fold and have her claim her throne. And that's something that like, I love about this movie and that, even yeah. watching it a second time. It's amazing to watch her character instead of watching her like, 
with the expectations of the first one where you're seeing her as this innocent person who's coming and stumbling upon witches, learning what's what's actually going on there yeah. and then dealing with it, defeating it. Yes. From the very beginning, the second time, knowing the ending now, you're watching it and you're like, oh no, she knows this whole time. Like she at least maybe doesn't fully realize it, but yeah. she has a sense that this is where she belongs. Yeah. When she was a young child, like five years old, she was drawing maps of like, I need to go to Berlin. Like she was scratching it on a map. Yeah. She felt this compulsion. So this and is the creature that she was born to be. Totally. And it, it makes that little moment where um, they break into the office on the weekend and she goes into the back room and sees them mm. just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> just just having a good time. They, they, got, they got the investigative cops under a spell. Yeah. That's what witches do when they're bored. <laughs> It's just like, it's a weekend. What should we do? Cast a spell on someone. Yeah. Bring them over. Yeah. Like, or when someone shows up unannounced to yeah. investigate. Oh, right. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Madame Blanc. Come on in here. And then so Susie like looks at it and then like giggles and doesn't tell. Right. Yeah, doesn't tell her and just keeps that to herself. And yeah. You're like, huh, that's strange that she wouldn't say anything about that. Yeah. But and no, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> and makes sense. She, she clearly kind of sent like is aware of her abilities to some extent it seems totally that that was so confusing along the way absolutely and once you're like i mean by the end yeah (laughs) Yeah, not even by the end but a few minutes after even like right when she gets there and they're like a room was opened up and she's like oh because patricia and they're like how do do you know patricia she's like oh i overheard the girls talking in the hall the second time i'm like did she did she overhear that or is she just aware that that's Because at the same time, it does seem like she's kind of learning and un- trying to understand as she goes. Sure, yeah. But okay, yeah. yeah. So that does like the that does throw into the mix what her mother says in that one shot where she says that um, her last child or something is was her last her sin last sin, or something. Yeah, referring to Susie. Yeah. So you wonder how, what she knows about this whole like the mother, the mother. Yeah. Yeah. I get, she seems somewhat aware of it. Yeah. My reading is, is that just by being pregnant with this force, she that's making her deathly sick and okay. everything. She is kind of, yeah, aware she has some kind of sense about it, but there are like, so there are huge undertones of, or there are huge themes of guilt and shame throughout this movie that aren't as clearly delivered as, they could be yeah and especially for who the the character is afflicted by them for the most part ends up being like that makes it hard mm-hmm. for me to, to understand yeah and the political background at the time yeah like they kind right. of are constantly making allusions even patricia is intimately tied to what's mm-hmm. happening in politics at the time so i think these are also very much part of the theme but i don't think they're very clear they're, i don't think they're satisfyingly delivered in the movie i think that's something that the director could give a lecture on and then you'd be like oh amazing yeah but it would work but as you take it from the movie intuitively it's difficult to pick that up it is maybe maybe what's the expansive concept there yeah and that's a that's a frustration that i have with this film too is those like if you're going to kind of dangle those themes Mm -hmm. a little bit i would i would like a little bit more information yeah to connect the dots yeah i'll have to see over the next little bit when i read a little bit about it see it again because it's i don't understand very little of it <laughs> as it stands that's it's yeah. very in it's terms of the pol- political background and political background the like what little things along the way could have yeah. meant for the story as you know an allegory you know yeah when someone was lying or not like there's so many things that like and that's a wider question just about yeah. film in general it's like how much information does a film need to convey and 
Right. Does it make a good film if you have to do all this research after and then kind of mm. learn yeah. what all those things represent? So I feel like in the case of Hereditary, a tremendous mm. amount more thought goes into it at the end, but that's a satisfying world building. Yeah, and all all the pieces are there. Yeah. Like okay, now having watched having watched Hereditary three times, even on the second viewing of Hereditary, you can kind of put all the pieces together. Right. Yeah. You just don't pick up on them. So that to me is more satisfying than this kind of brief allusion to kind of the political okay. background, but at the same time yeah. to contradict that a little bit, it does still create this kind of weird unsettling atmosphere. Yeah. You know, things that, you know, that the political situation is very tenuous and that there's kind of this upheaval and that bombs go off at any moment. And that kind of, uh, creates a nice parallel inside the studio as well. I suppose you know? so. I mean, you're getting most of this through like little bits of, translated news News, splice in between i know so that like it's so weak so i'm like what is this side story that's happening about these like people who've hijacked a thing and had a suicide pact and like the police finally got them i guess it only works as a little bit of an allegory for what's happening and maybe people like maybe europeans or people even (laughs) who are politically conscious and around in the 70s could tie all those things together make sense make make those but all of us younger than that generation are going to need to do some research to try to find those aspects of the movie so that could it could be a little yeah. more brilliant or sparse than we know but. the uh, the other thing that did kind of bug me and it bugged me less on the second time as well i did like this movie a little like i i still really really liked it the first time i liked it a little bit more the second time okay but the smudgy effect that we also had in mandy okay which yeah. feels like a mid-90s like bad it. computer cgi especially when she's following that little tri- glimmer of light down the hall the glimmer of the- light I, I didn't like the glimmer light is neither here nor there, but as she's like going around the corner, yeah, it's got that weird sort of the drag. Yeah, yeah. It looks like slight, almost like buffering. Like we've said another. Yeah. But then it cleared up. It did clear. And <laughs> the like, buffer, it loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so we got, <laughs> we got HD again. Like. That's what sucks about it. Is it looked yeah. like, yeah, your Netflix is just finally getting back to that good connection. L- luckily it's not too much. No, it's not. Like we did get enough of that beautiful bloodbath at the end, which, oh my God, is one of the greatest scenes in horror this year yeah the whole ritual i but need then, to see it again and i need to see it brighter because i missed yeah. i didn't know until that one very well-centered head explosion what was even happening really, really? i was having trouble seeing yeah right but i mean i got the i got the point you got the gist <laughs> i was getting like blood kind of where people were screaming she's choosing some not choosing others they're against the wall voting marcos and then they explode i get yeah it. I was well that vote it. happened much earlier no i know i know they're gotcha, just showing they're them. showing reminding then, you of yeah, it yeah exactly and that's that's so interesting that they did that like so they're like oh the audience is dumb enough to not remember that that was the vote earlier so we're going to reshow those clips of yeah. the voting but they didnn't show clips of the Originally, voting in the in that first scene it's yeah. awesome they're just kind of slowly filing into like their dinner room and you just or heard whatever. the audio yeah and you hear the audio of the vote and you're kind of yeah. you're getting introduced a little bit to the room full of of them i loved mm-hmm. that and then when they showed each of their faces I didn't know any of their faces before who was, who was making those votes. It was kind of cool. It was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Before you were introduced to any of the characters, they didn't give you that police mug shot. Yeah. You know, I really did like the o- Yeah. The only out. way you'd make those connections is if you pay close attention to uh, the character names all the way through. Yeah. Cause they're like Tanner. What's your vote? Right. Exactly. Not a Blanc, but then not a Blanc abstains. Even that you'd know like four or five of them because mm-hmm. there's a lot of votes going. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard yeah. to follow every single one. Totally. But then even then, like all those periphery characters, it doesn't really, you have no yeah. connection to them anyways. Yeah. You're just watching true. them get slaughtered. But you never know though. You never know. As the movie progresses, you never know who will or won't be important, even if it's just for a minute. 
mm-hmm. like they they'll just choose one of the one of the girls from the class to like do something. Yeah. And then they'll have a weird freak out or something. Oh, how about this moment before we forget it? Okay. I, I love this moment. Sure. When um they're trying when Blanc is trying to get Susie to do the jumps, gets the other girl to do the jumps for her, yeah, yeah. demonstrate it. But then later afterwards, when it's clear that Susie's being a little bit defiant about it, there's yeah. this amazing it's shot so cool where Blanc shoots a look at I forget the name of the the tall dancer yeah, who the, can do the jumps. Yeah, shoots a look at that tall girl, and then she kind of like gives this look in fear. Then shoots a look at Susie, and Susie kind of like it kind of pans to her face. And I take that as her transmitting this power of jumping to Susie, like taking that physical ability from the tall dancer and throwing it on Susie. Like that's uh, a quick spell that's happening. She's bouncing like off her her eyes into Susie's. Yes, hole. because then right uh, after cool. that moment the tall girl has that seizure in the hallway. Yeah, she pukes right? it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. She's just flipping out. Oh, dude, you're totally right. So That's those awesome. cool little zoom in, like that quick little zoom in moment is so, so satisfying. Yeah. And, and while we're kind of on that, like I loved how they suggested the like magic in this worked. Like, you know, there's, they've got things where they can move their hands over your face or wound and, mm-hmm. you know, heal it. They've got stuff where they're, you just think, imagine this person and you can kill them. You, you know, can teleport, you teleport, wave your hand and they're, back of their neck explodes like oh my god yeah well those are the super powerful ones like that's of course marco straight up killing Blanc. yeah just like i've had and enough of you kind of like stands up like i don't know i don't know if she would have done that yeah. if she was aware that susie was actually mother superiorum and she herself wasn't but then like at the end like it seems like she looked at like her eyes were still there she was still okay you know who oh yeah i just look at that as like kind of nerves Flicking around because pulling oh, the really? head up. Oh yeah, I think she's toast. She's, she, okay, <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that she's Cause, toast. Because <laughs> even she, they tell the whole dance squad like, uh, Blanc's she left. left. She's gone. Well, yeah, her head doesn't work anymore. Yeah, yeah. She's like a backwards Pez dispenser. Absolutely. Like, and it looks <laughs> just, like sliced in the front and back, but it's such great blood that's yeah. just kind of shooting up oh, all over. Yeah, totally. And another spell. How about this strange moment where the one one of them starts stabbing herself in the neck right herself at dinner right at the dinner table what do you take of that i don't know i don't know what to think about that character because yeah that i was getting that she was like mousy concerned yeah i was getting that she was like sending like dreams like oh yeah it seemed like she was doing that or you know possessing or uh what i was getting from her is like remember how in the beginning um what's her name patricia is like turning the picture slams the picture down in the the doctor's office yeah and it seems like she's trying to hide anything that's got eyes to look at her mm-hmm. and then it always or frequently when those things are happening it's cutting to the one with glasses like her eyes and was, uh, there was a one um, moment where she's like trying to olga's trying to leave mm-hmm. and then the other two girls who are walking upstairs laughing like stare at her and then you get this shot of glasses person staring yeah and then this person seems like they're overcome for a second and then they laugh and walk away like she's just seen that and i was getting the impression that she was like able to just see all over the place right and through like other people's eyes and And that was just overwhelming for her and that's why she wanted to end it and that's what um well uh no, who? Who? Oh no, I don't know why she wanted to end it. Oh, exactly. you're just trying to under, trying to understand her powers. Yeah, like what her she was powers. doing. It seemed like yeah. she was the one who was able to just see anything through other people's eyes. So one one thing that happens right before and after she stabs herself, and I think this has to be key to it, is they show Sarah, who had just gone mm. back from either visiting the doctor or finding the secret room for a quick second, but she is sitting in bed. 
and she like kind of cranks her neck to the side and the camera does a weird tilt thing and then it cuts to her stabbing herself in the neck and then it goes back to Sarah like sitting upright and then going off and walking. What? So there's that information. And then also I was putting that together with the fact that Madame Blanc and Tanner, when they were talking about, okay, Patricia didn't work out. We need somebody who's more ready. How about Sarah? She's shown great promise. I was wondering about Sarah also having kind of powers or ability that she wasn't kind of aware of. And maybe because of this, mm. which is the weakest and messiest of all of them. And then at that moment, she, Sarah was kind of aware, started to become aware that these witches have Patricia in some capacity that maybe Sarah got her to stab herself in the neck. You think Sarah might've done maybe that. because right before it happens, they cut to Sarah doing a weird. Sarah has a moment. Yeah. yeah. Where she seems before and after it. Huh. So there's lots of little things like that throughout this movie. That's that, the good shit. That's the stuff. Yeah. That's the good ass shit. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about some more insane ass stuff like bring it on um how olga dies when that first like holy shit holy shit that is that i think it was cinefest that they showed that clip to where it was a surprise and everyone in the audience before some other feature i forget what it was it was hereditary or maybe it was just a press conference for suspiria Mm. but they got to see just that whole dance scene (laughs) start to finish and if you saw just this thing i mean Dude, you'd I never would, go see another movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would somewhat misrepresent the movie, but it would also get you so, so pumped for I this think, film. I think you're totally right. You shouldn't show those cherry-picked moments of like you know uniqueness in the yeah. movie because it doesn't have very many other moments like that. No, it's, it's not it's a lot marketing. of yeah. There's not a lot of like marionette dancing. That's not like a power that happens the whole time. No, and thank goodness because I yeah. thought that was going to happen again. Yeah, I they, was like, I'm like no, when Sarah's you just in the basement, the witch's power dancing. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, well, as as Blanc says to Susie in um, when they're kind of alone in the mirror room, mm-hmm. she's like, um, like dance is another form of communication. You have words and then dances are another way that you can do things and like communicate. She, and, and she goes like and spells cast spells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what I and love. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they just kind of have, yeah. she doesn't even respond really. Yeah. Cause she, she seems very, uh, it seems like from the first moment where she crit- criticizes the, the dance mm-hmm. after that, she, she's kind of always a little caught off guard by Susie. Yeah. Like the rest of the movie, just about every scene. She's a little, no, I I love that. I yeah. love I love their kind of back and forth because it really is just Madame Blanc coming to the realization, and she never does really figure it out mm. that oh, Susie actually is the supreme mother who we're talking about this whole time. Yeah, it's not some yeah. force that we can endow and vote and give to the head of our coven. Oops. It's this outsider who. So she's at the same time impressed by Susie's abilities, yeah. but still thinks that she has authority over Susie. And Susie stands up to her every time. And s- when it comes to the dance, yeah, Susie yeah. is like, no, I belong on the ground. This is about that tension. And Madame Blanc is like, no, you weren't here during the war. You don't know what it was like. Right. Yeah. But Mother Suspirium or Susie is eternal. She's an yeah, eternal she, being. What a being, yeah. She has a better take on the dance. And she kind of like just looks down like she takes it, but yeah. doesn't like, so you're right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, but so for the big uh, Twizzler dress dance, I was worried that mm. they were going to just do th- the same thing again, which is, I think, what, in lesser hands, you would go for a trope like that. But well said. Yeah, when, when yeah. Sarah was in the basement and she first breaks her leg, I'm like, oh, they're just going to throw her around yeah. like they did. Like, we don't need to see that again. Dude, but that's thanks. exactly what I thought. Yeah, but thankfully they don't. It became way weirder. Mm-hmm. They come, they go downstairs, they drag her out of the hole where she broke her, yeah. her leg. They weirdly fix it, but not 
all the way. Not no, no, quite. No. It's like they, yeah, they gloss the skin back over it. But they the band aid solution there. that so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is like textbook, not solving the problem and just. Okay, so put a bucket. Put a bucket under the leak. Her bone is poking out of her leg. Put that back in. That'll be fixed. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but she's possessed enough by gets, with, by blue contacts. Yeah, blue <laughs> contact lenses that yeah. she can finish the dance, or at least most of the dance. But then that's such a great moment because the doctor is sitting in the audience and he's like, "Holy shit! I just talked to her. She gave me the weird weapon that I threw in the river. Like, mm-hmm. this is happening." she's getting like that's a real moment but like then he's just in the audience and all he can do is watch yeah and at first he's obviously very concerned because he doesn't see sarah yeah he knows like he's there to watch sarah but also get maybe a sense of this dance studio yeah well yeah and the last time that they talked like she's like basically she's like shaking and she gives him the the weird spiky thing yeah basically saying like yes these are straight up witches Mm -hmm. and like there's a coven what do they want like those sorts of things and then the next time like when he goes to the dance i don't think it's just like i want to support my girl like i feel like it's a little bit of like what is she gonna do here because yeah no absolutely it's like she was clearly getting way too close i saw what happened when patricia went down the same path yeah i need to intervene and it just was convenient for the witches who want their witness yep to have them around yeah and they did a pretty good job making a that prosthetic penis i guess on her oh you like that I loved it. Look, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good old man penis. But yeah, so okay, that first that Olga, that right. Olga contortion the, scene, the marionette dance. Yeah, so that that performer is a contortionist who, this is their first on-screen acting thing, and Whoa. she got hired because she can literally do anything with her body, just like uh, Javier Botet. Is that his name? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. from Mama and mm-hmm. everything else. Um, <laughs> So she, because she can do these weird things with her body, they, the director and then the choreographer, um, I said his name at the top, I believe, and then Susie and this contortionist all work together to make a dance that would be in tandem, but ha- would have her body kind of twisting up over and over again. And that's, there's no CGI there. It's makeup and her just twisting I was, her body around. You can kind of tell like by little things like the arm doesn't, like it goes behind her back, but in a way that you can kind of hold that's your believable, arm. Yeah. Like, and no that's bones believable. were snapped. It was just, yeah, there was like double jointedness. Definitely some stuff happening with like how far, like this person was bent. So, you know, like some weird stuff was happening with the hip and ribs right at the beginning where like her like clothes started getting torn. Mm. Like you could tell that some damage was happening internally. Yeah. And her stomach looked real fucked up too. And then I was like the way that she was bent back, like her ribs and hip bones pushing out like mm-hmm. and breaking and stuff. Like it was that nasty. Was, it was so nasty. So gross. So like exciting. And all, really all the time throughout the movie, like, um, that might be one the, of the, the scariest parts of the movie. I, I think so. Because she's she's even being kind of led into that room, it, right? She's dropping her bag. She's taking off her coat. And she's yeah. going like, no, 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 no. And, and then the, the door slams behind her. Yeah. And, and she's like, just before that, she's, we haven't seen anything really suspicious yet for the most part. And she's just like, you guys are the devil. You're, you're hypocrites. I know what's going on here. I know. Bad did move. Something. Bad And move. she's terrified. She screams. She throws, witches! You know, like on she's... The and then that, Tanner just laughs. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but that's for us. We've seen two people driven to like near madness or yeah. full on madness yeah. by like someone for us who's been harmless. Like that's really good yeah. um, feeling. And uh, I, I liked Chloe Moritz Grace in this role. It's super minimal. Mm-hmm. Just a nervous wreck. Yes. That's, that's great. She did great at that. That's all we need. <laughs> and just in a capable hands. Yeah, obviously totally. a fantastic director. Also a nice little touch. Um, 
when we were talking about the cops that they brought in and they were just playing with his dick with those silver things. Right. Yeah. Um, the moment where the doctor, Joseph, whatever his name is, is kind of walking down the stairs and he turns around and says, Oh, by the way, thank you. Like you don't, you may not remember me, but you helped me realize that yeah. my wife must not have died in Poland. There's a quick moment where he just kind of scratches he his just dick. adjusts. <laughs> yeah. He very clearly adjusts. A, yeah. It's just yeah. such a nice subtle touch yeah. of like, Oh, there's some like lingering shit happening there yeah. from whatever they were doing. What's wrong with your dick? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It just feels weird and cursed. <laughs> yeah. Even, even those spikes, I was expecting one kind of final climax with them. Uh, yeah, I don't you know, but, you especially know, with how much they were teased in the marketing. To, oh, okay. Like Fair. even the director like had a whole thing. What do you think these are for? Yeah. And then like the using the hooks to carry the just body, carry the body out. They just seem to be like a catch-all, like a wand, the equivalent of a wand for these witches. Yeah, for the most part, that seems like what they used it for. Yeah. And I like that. I didn't really need a weapon in this movie. Mm. You know, we had one to look at, but we didn't see them using it in action sequences. We saw this super creepy, paralyzed, cursed version of Olga on the ground in a pretzel and then just getting like pierced and dragged out of the room. Yeah. Like that was that's I don't think you can do better with those weapons. Like I don't want to see a shot of somebody's hand raising above their head. Shink and then it comes down, right? Yeah, it, it just it just seemed like I don't know, it didn't it didn't really work for me. Like I I feel like if you're giving it that much attention, like this is an object that was taken away and people flipped out when it was thrown in. Right. Like it clearly is endowed with some kind of greater power or purpose like to be used as a utility sure and to have that utility just be poking old dicks and lifting bodies like i wanted something a little bit more even when like that final scene where Susie's kind of opening herself up like if she would have kind of maybe picked up one of those and use something like that That just a a tie like i just wanted kind of one final thing to really hammer that home as something significant and i felt like it was just a little underused but fair enough yeah I, I just write it off as like, yeah. it's not that significant then because, mm-hmm. but I, I guess I wasn't quite so swept up with the uh, marketing for this one. So I didn't actually realize. Yeah. The marketing and just the way that it was filmed, like in all of its uses, like it did seem like, yeah, he shadows. says to her, like, don't take this, like leave yeah. this with me. And then the fact that it was an object that was stolen and of significance. Totally. And, and it, it rattles seems to be their, their like prized possession. You it know, does. Yes. Yeah, the way that she screams at him. But like, yeah, even when he sets it down on the table and just rattles back and forth yeah, and great the camera job. just zooms in on it. Mm-hmm. Like it does seem to put some gravity on the object itself. Did you recognize Anka? No. The, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. His wife. It's OG Susie, baby. Really? Yeah. I knew she was in the movie. I didn't even think to look for her. That's awesome. That's so a great, great little right? role. And that, that little storyline was great how that unfolded. Yeah. Well, I, I love that they kind of use this, they use the kind of most emotional way to manipulate and yeah. cast the delusion on the doctor himself to, yeah, totally. To and, and it was like really, really heartfelt. Like when they pull it, yeah. even when the audience knows that a trick is being pulled, mm-hmm. you know, like, or could assume like they really commit to it because they like, they had such a great reunion and they held each other. And there was like a long sequence of them just it's, walking it's in each other's arms. It's terrifying when she disappears, when he realizes how the fuck did I get back here? Like, yeah. what am I, what am I doing here? Yeah. And that, that brings to mind yeah. like when, um, uh, sh- what's her name? Oh, it's so hard. 
She goes downstairs. She breaks her leg. Uh, Sarah. Sarah goes downstairs and finds the girl like curled up against the wall. Patricia, yeah. What Patricia. the fuck is that, huh? And she says, I wake up here every night. I know. Or I, <laughs> I wake up every day. And then it seems like you get kind of a similar thing where his like wife, in air quotes, like led him back there and he just like wakes up and suddenly he's standing in front of that place again. Yeah. And you get like, oh, you wonder in all the weird ways that people can't get away from this place. I know. And, and they can wipe your mind. Is the other person that's crawling towards Patricia and Sarah in that scene, is that Olga? Oh, God. Right? I think it is. It's got to be. I think it's got to be. That's so gross. But also, yeah, and why are those bodies kept down there? Many good questions. Many good questions. Mm-hmm. And then even the fact that, like, it's it's amazing how well these witches cover their tracks. Like, that there was already, in, yeah. in East Berlin, there was, like, wanted signs for Patricia as a potential terrorist, which is the story that they were selling. Right, 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 you right. I mean? That was their... Yeah. She would never do that. Yeah, and then to like, have... I don't know. To, we're jumping around so much when it's That's a great movie, of course. All we can do. But when, when the doctor's arriving at the place and he realizes his wife was just this illusion, then mm. it instantly cuts to... The witch who is just straight up the mom from that 70s show running out and screaming at him. <laughs> right? right? That was... That's that was, her hairstyle. It, totally. That was just Kitty. Yeah, kitty form. Thank you, Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, dude. And that was that was a weird moment. Like, mm-hmm. there's a few moments in this where I'm like, that doesn't scare me, but it's definitely not right. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, and that fostered kind of a good sense. Like, when they just screamed and dragged him in, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's... That's kind of terrifying. And it's because they're pissed about that hook. Yeah, that's really what it seemed like. It she, seemed like she a, is angry. I about just it. cleaned this floor and you tracked mud in it. It seemed like that kind of level of scolding. Yeah, which was <laughs> kind of funny. It was anger, angry witch. That was yeah, just pure like fuck you. This is my thing. Like, yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious. Um, so here's the question. Let's w- hear it. What did you think of the soundtrack? I I really loved it. I what? loved I loved what it brought to it. I mean, especially for that last scene i mean i'm just stunned like that whole oh that, that whole ritual the blood and everything and that tom york droney sound over it like and even the tom. draggy effect the i was somewhat primed for it actually because the music video that they released of that song mm-hmm. also had just a video of a dancer with just shot in like two colors like with a weird effect doing that draggy motion yeah, thing yeah, yeah. so it it all kind of just fell into place like when that full scene was happening mm-hmm. like oh this is what the music video was kind of hinting at too and yeah I, it's just it's a combination that i've never seen before like to have kind of slow yeah. the beautiful tom york's voice going along with just blood flying yeah, everywhere definitely a very unique it contrast. just honestly it just felt like poetry like the way it oh, all fit together i love that and i would have I would have still preferred probably n- not smudgy. Maybe it'll grow on me even more. It, it's so minimal. I can live with it. It is only a few moments. In, I, I don't, in that I don't like it. Like when yeah. it's in there, I just, it's an Again, effect. It that just feels like eye. you're watching a movie from 94. Yeah. When like, if you watch curse of Michael Myers, that smudge <laughs> shit is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And, and also just like, why, why, what yeah. did it add? What did they for? do it in Mandy too? That was the issue we had yeah. with Mandy. Yeah. It, was just, it kept doing that weird. Like, why is that in right now? Why so do it? But I mean, whatever. So, sorry, you were so yeah. You you didn't like the soundtrack as a whole that I, much. No, I really I really like the climactic moments, but I found mm-hmm. it to otherwise just be not something I noticed. Not like the Suspiria. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like the Suspiria just getting under your skin. Right. You know. I mean, of course, it's not gonna live up to in that way, but yeah, I felt like it just wasn't there if it wasn't big. I think I think it totally. Yeah, I hear you. But for me, like I think that it fits the witch mythology 
in for both of them. Like again, if witches in the original are portrayed as just this vengeful, angry, dark, mean force, the metal synth of Goblin is just such a great undercurrent to have through all of that. Yeah. Whereas if witches are kind of more, like Subtle more more gray than yeah. that, you know, more kind of benevolent than just kind of pure evil, and more kind of expressive, especially like if these witches communicate through sure. dance, sure. As opposed to in the original Suspiria, they communicate through what, like flashing a weird light. Right. Having your having yeah. your creepy nephew just hang around you all the time, <laughs> like those witches aren't really engaged in much activity. Whereas you're right, these witches are always kind of focusing on that craft. Yeah, i <clears throat> I still feel like there, I still feel like I didn't get enough music. Mm. Is maybe maybe more right. or less what I feel. But then at the same time, I didn't feel like the scenes necessarily were missing music mm-hmm. or like it was too underwhelming or anything like that. I just felt by the end of it, I was struck by the music two or three times right you know, or rather than constantly yeah which is you're right i don't necessarily need that angry industrial sound you no know, it's, it's definitely yeah it's definitely peppered in there but for me it worked it was it was well well and, selected and uh as a compliment to the sound choices is um with those the dancing that they're doing mm-hmm. in when it's just her or when it's a big you know production of them and when olga's getting like you know uh wrestling ring thrashed around yeah um the the fact that they're kind of doing like breaths and <gasps> and grunts oh and stuff, so good yeah holy shit that is the best sound choice i can I know. think of like modern dance as opposed to ballet is such a great choice for especially something that is essentially casting spells and seances Dude. like to have that breathiness and to have like even that addition scene is brilliant to like yeah. have her Oh, I love that moment so much. So she comes in and they're like, no, don't use the cassette. We just want to see you. Yeah. You know, you can keep your own rhythm, do it. No but music. then once she's doing that dance, it cuts to Madame Blanc in the other room and she just turns her head. Yeah. She just she like feels can, it. She can hear the dancing or something. Yeah. She just senses that presence. Yeah. Totally. That the spell is being cast and there's something unique wow. there. Yeah. yeah. So I am. Okay. Before I forget, I got to keep, <laughs> keep almost forgetting. Uh, Ray Fiennes was originally envisioned as cast for the doctor. Like Luca Guadagnino wanted to make kind of a reunion of the bigger splash. And the other actor from that was Ray Fiennes. So I just like now, because that's in my mind, I wish this information wasn't out there because it paints how you watch a movie. Totally dude. And I wish I knew because I do like, Oh, I would love that to be just a different actor because I really don't like that performance, but I'm obsessed with the Madame Blanc performance. Like Tilda Swinton as Madame Blanc is incredible. Yeah, Madame Blanc was amazing. So good. And Dakota Johnson is incredible in this movie, too. Dude, totally. I, I Honestly... Like, hypnotizing. I need to see this one again because, like, with the dancing, certainly. But I found myself, like, after a while, I stopped paying attention. Not paying attention to her, but, like, waiting for exposition and for the story to be furthered and for people to react to things. Mm-hmm. Other characters, not her. Yeah. You know, because she so was for sitting on Susie the or for for Susie. I felt like with Susie, because eventually this reveal is coming, I didn't know, but yeah. she's not reacting to things right. Or she's not yeah. very surprised. She's not very scared. Like it's, it's a fundamental, it's like a totally different experience the second time. Yeah. Because I, I bet dude, because you know the whole time, like, Oh, this is something that she's been drawn that, to from and, birth. And that's going to be the moment like, or that's got to be the experience where you watch her performance. You're like, Holy shit. Yeah. Cause like I almost lost her because like she was hiding in plain sight. Like it was a very interesting experience. Totally. No, I totally felt that way the first time too. And yeah. I almost was frustrated that there wasn't kind of more tension or back and yes. forth between yeah. her and Madame Blanc. I'm like, why isn't she exploring the fucking halls? Like, yeah. Like she does find some <laughs> exactly. shit for me to look at. Yeah. So it's it's amazing at yeah. subverting those expectations of the Dude, first one. Totally. Yeah. I uh 
it subverted almost every single expectation I it's had. It's a totally different piece. And, and just dry, like felt like Suspiria too to me. You know. Yeah, this like, was something fundamentally about this, the setting being a dance school and witches. It maintains the spirit of the original, yeah. but inverts it entirely. In just every way that they can invert it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a great time. Yeah, I love this movie. To- I gotta love give this it- movie, but definitely has its flaws. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really, really like it. And I'm getting a little more excited as we talk about it because, oh man, yeah. As it said, it was like watercolors, and now it's getting a little sharper. You know, like I'm absolutely starting to absolutely to put together. And dude, I must say, like with just not to be like the contrary side of the of anything. You like you like the doctor. I loved the doctor, and I'm just blown away. Even though I should have known, yeah. my brain can, despite all the evidence existing, we yeah. talked, we had this conversation, and I yeah. knew it. It I, still didn't click in. Not only did it, it clicked in, I, my brain said no. That's how <laughs> it didn't accept it because of the the evidence going in through my eyes and ears was like, no, this is an old man. That's great. That's what it was supposed to do. And it did it. As opposed to me, I'm just watching Tilda. Like I feel like I'm watching like a, a mad TV sketch. I feel well, like I'm watching. I'm definitely going to Jackass. Now. I feel like I'm watching <laughs> Tilda Swinton dress up alongside Johnny Knoxville in old man prosthetics yeah. and just doing like a weird old man character. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this let, is, let an old man be this character. This is your Suspiria bat. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. that's not even an old man. It's <laughs> yeah. clearly not. An <laughs> you nailed it, man. <laughs> that is exactly what that is. <laughs> oh, maybe uh, you'll just start to find it hilarious and love it. Maybe you'll think of him like the um. What was the? It was the Six Flags that had that old guy, that old man who danced in the commercials. Yeah, yeah. You'll just start thinking right. of her performance as just that guy. No, I can't do it. <laughs> and like, it just like it, it goes especially too far for me just with that thick accent at times. Like, I'm I can't help but chuckle when um, oh, he comes up to the building one time. He's like, Zara, Zara. I'm like, it's <laughs> fucking Tilda Swinton. What is she doing? This is insane. Ah, uh, yeah, because none of that, just none of it hit me. And yeah. now I know it's gonna be ruined. Mm. I don't know that I can watch it again. I like <laughs> I like Tilda the Hun better. I like her because that that's like okay, yeah, go all the way, be an insane weirdo, and that is like really. I feel like the Helena Marcos is really. Um, modeled after just, the original mother superiorum like that because she's the yeah, golemy yeah. creature in bed right? totally i was waiting for that the whole movie yeah and i thought it was when you saw the uh, the creature that would eventually go on to like blow up people's heads you thought that I thought was her as well that was her absolutely yeah, totally um no I, I love that like this is such a effective remake in that sense to take all these things that you're expecting from the original and just like totally twist yeah. them totally twist yep. everything that you think is coming yeah and it, it even it doesn't just do it different yeah it like makes you believe like this is probably what's going to happen man i read a little further in the last couple of days um how dare about you? the director <laughs> and he he first saw suspiria when he was 14 and it was already out for a little while but he was looking forward to seeing it forever and it, he said it made like a profound impact on him wow. and he immediately thought these are the kinds of movies i want to make so this is a director who's been this thinking about this and the only reason he had to pawn it off to david gordon green in 2008 was because he wasn't a big enough name yet like he had convinced oh, him to give shit. him the rights. He wanted to direct it himself, but he's still like, like nah. well, I, no, I want to make this. I want, I want to be behind this. Um, but he knew he didn't have the clout. And then wow. after a few more pictures came out and he got more fame, then he was able to be like, N- nice. Finally, like what a blessing. Now I actually can just direct it myself. I can't think of a more pure way for us to get mm-hmm. the Suspiria remake. I'm already excited to rewatch it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Totally. That's, I have so much to think about. I, this one is hard because my I thoughts know. are just I know, all I know once we stop, there's going to be 
Yeah. Like, I think this is going to be just like Hereditary, where in the upcoming weeks we'll sure. we'll see it again. Yeah, and we'll have more things that we pick up and want to talk. Yeah, and we want to hear from you, listeners. We want to hear what you think about this movie, things that you interpret, things that you disagree with us. Hundred percent. Like uh, I don't know on uh, on Saturday how many you know full length discussions you'll be able to listen to about this movie, but we're definitely going to be adding to it. So please, please, mm-hmm. you know, contribute to that by finding us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere. Um, that's social media that has the name text Chris Dave saw and let us know what you think because that's going to 100% spark all sorts of conversation on following episodes yeah and hopefully this movie comes to a theater near you soon I know it's kind of rolling out slowly in Toronto it's only playing this theater it's like when the popcorn starts popping just here and there you get one little theater has it over there and yeah, and you hope that yeah, you hope it starts going. Yeah, and that you didn't crank it too hot, and the whole thing just burns before it even popping. Well, that's hopefully some bad. Hopefully, a etiquette. bunch of theaters don't burn down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Amazon Studios. They're like they're too nervous to push something wide right at the gate. They want to just like trickle it out. I've noticed they did that with that's Manchester by the Sea as well. Um, man, maybe start with like a five million dollar stupid horror movie. <laughs> yeah. What was, do you know that the budget for this is? $20 million. $20 million fucking dollars. Okay. A lot of cash. Well, a lot of heads exploded. And yeah. to go back to our slash September idea, a mm-hmm. whole lot of liters of blood. <laughs> yeah, dude. Right? Yeah, I wonder how. Right. There's, there's going to... I mean, they blew their budget definitely in one, mostly one scene. Oh, and I mean... There was the blood scene. Just to be a fly on the wall of the set for that week. Dude. When they're doing that, like all that insane dance that's what i was thinking when i was watching that scene is like yeah. man just like the extras in this are probably getting fucking exhausted like look at them thrashing their fucking bodies oh my around. god that is exhausting dance yeah holy shit uh-huh. <laughs> like but uh, so throughout the entirety of the movie because of that like the dancing just had this incredibly intense like uh, it's super emotive like i can't read dance I can't, at all but like super is violent it was aggressive yeah aggressive just like full feeling like, yeah yeah just dense and intense absolutely and exhausting is the right word like i can't yeah. <laughs> imagine trying to do these kinds of moves yeah. and those are obviously just professional dancers yeah that they cast right yeah. totally <laughs> other than oh like i mean the other performance too mia goth is incredible as sarah mm. she's yeah. doing more and more weird genre things yeah yeah I think she's, she's a, a model job. turned actress but she was she was great she was awesome yeah oh dude um when she got gutted just standing there and they cut out her intestines. Oh, then like Holy shit. Just that climax when she's just walking around and you have kind of the blurry thing and you have Tom York's beautiful melancholic music happening and she's just going up to each of them. It's like, what do you ask for? Like to die. And then she just kind of like blesses them yeah, with, death with death each time. Like, holy shit. It's just one of, another one of those really tragic, sweet moments in all the chaos. Oh, God. Because that's that overall, that is what I get. Like the viciousness and the brutality of the the witch coven or whatever does exist, just like it did in the first one. But there's also this soft, sweet togetherness. Yeah, like they all share and cackle around a big dinner table. Like right. that never goes away. There's like you don't see what you might call the typical infighting mm-hmm. of of the the politics on the inside of this coven because two people want to be in charge or whatever. Yeah. Like, and I would, I would split those down the middle. I would say like, there is like the camaraderie camaraderie in the community that the witches have that does exist. Like mm-hmm. that fun hanging out at the table, laughing while poking the guy's junk. Yeah. Or whatever. Like there's that, that exists. But then the compassion 
and the forgiveness, I feel something is that Susie brings to the table. I feel like they're overall pretty relentless until Susie kind of enters as this force that is kind of willing to forgive. It's, it's all three of those, like Patricia and Sarah and Olga, who are standing in the center uh-huh. that she kind of blesses with death. Like they just say, we want to die. And she allows them to die. None of the other witches allowed them to die. They kept them alive and tortured in the basement. That is true. And they're all aware of that as like some kind of, I don't know, power reserve. Who well, knows why I, they were down I think there. it all would have been on the, like I'm getting a real like Trumpian thing here. It's all on the heels of um, the bad job of the witch. And her followers, the people who all voted for her, right, seem to be the ones who are responsible for that. Yeah, because even Blanc is like, no, let's let's take it slow. Like we don't want to mess this up. But we fucked up Patricia. You're mm-hmm. right. Blanc has kind of a little bit of compassion too, and that's probably why Susie yeah. was drawn and to her. Totally, a hundred percent. Those two, they're peas in a pot. The, um, it's like a love story between the two of them. I love their scenes together. Uh, totally, dude. The and and, oh, and that moment where they're communicating without speaking, like telekinetically. That was amazing. Thank you for bringing that up because yes, the scene was going on and their lips weren't moving. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, is this like, are they, ref- this conversation happened earlier and they're reflecting on no. it? No, it, they're communicating in that moment. I mean, she's doing her first fucking dance performance at this yeah. company and she's performing fucking Madame Blanc's signature dance. As Volk. Protagonist. As the protagonist. This dance that she traveled like, yeah. And got punished by her Mennonite parents for traveling, running away to New York to see. She's doing this dance. And right by the end of it, she decides to improvise and do some new dance moves, which I take as results resulting in um, Sarah re-snapping her leg. Because while Blanc right, was definitely. kind of doing the moves for Sarah, like a puppet, if yeah. we saw Blanc, she was kind of moving her hands around. Then because Susie was doing different moves, it threw Distracted off. Yeah. yeah, it threw off there and snapped her leg and ruined that's the whole exactly, performance. Dude, that's exactly what happened. That's fucking perfect. But then after that, it doesn't even matter for Madame Blanc because she's realizing Susie's power. Like she's feeling she's the presence of that improvisation that she did. And the power is so strong at that point that when she comes and visits Susie in her bedroom, Susie telekinetically tells, apo- telekinetically apologizes yeah. to her. Ah, oh, dude. Nice. <laughs> I'm getting like I'm getting a way more clear picture than you normally would after one viewing. This is really helpful. Oh no, I feel like That's second it. time so much more sure. of the pieces fell in because you know uh. you know kind of what to look for with the end in sight. You can kind of appreciate mm-hmm. all those little moments a little bit more. Yeah, another another thing about like sort of the good side of the this group of people is in the first Suspiria mm-hmm. um, when she shows up. I believe she gets a little bit bullied and she really needs to work her way into the things. And there's like girls who don't like her and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one that doesn't exist at all for one second. I think that's, you're totally right. They I, just accept her. And I think very, that's the Olga in the first one. Olga is the one who's kind of bullies her and has to have her as her roommate in downtown. Yeah. And then they quickly flip that and they're like, Oh no, you can say we've already yeah. moved your things back. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I love in the first one about that is yeah, they're bullying Susie, but Susie responds amazingly. Susie's like, okay. Like she doesn't, right. she's not phased at all. She doesn't get insecure about being bullied. She's just mm-hmm. like, okay, you guys are strange. Why are you, why are you talking to me like this? Hmm, that's weird. She's, anyway, <laughs> the yeah. Susies in both movies are just fantastic characters. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 do, I do really like there's something in the way that, I mean, I know they're friends, but the way that, um, uh, damn, god damn it, she breaks her leg. Uh, Anna. No. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah. Um, the way that, like, Sarah, like, crawls into Susie's bed, mm-hmm. you know, and they just, like. We're sisters now. Yeah. The, just the whole time I was getting that feeling, like. Yeah. Even there wasn't. I mean, there was bad punishment. You got killed horrifically if you. 
Yeah, but you know? Sarah wasn't a witch. Like, that's a source of compassion from just another dancer at the school. That's true. No, yeah, yeah, right. She didn't. In fact, she wholeheartedly believed it was just a yeah. dance company. Um, in terms of, like, yeah. early signs of um, Susie's power, we're really losing it now as, it, as it's now past 2 a.m. Um, <coughs> when, they're, when they're having a conversation about with Madame, when she's having her first alone conversation with Madame Blanc, and she's talking about doing that dance yeah. for her, she's like, it felt like fucking. And then it's like, uh, what do you mean? She's like, oh, like fucking an animal. I thought more like fucking an animal. It's like, oh, yeah, of course she's like, but this is spirit. Realm. Of course she's this right. evil, like, witch superpower. Yeah. She, like, she wants to fuck animals. I just threw that away. <laughs> yeah. As you, soon as I was totally said to me, I'm like, get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. that's a weird comment. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I wish you hadn't said that, Susie. I'm going to forget. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, like, those yeah. are the kind of things that totally. I yeah. can feel in just makes so clear okay she's awesome. aware the whole time totally anyways I not, not to the full extent of what she is but anyways i'm, ra- I'm rambling here and we're both rambling chris it's one of those well scaredy cats that was suspiria 2018 damn on the text chris dave saw massacre i'm chris i'm dave and as always chaos reigns chaos reigns chaos reigns chaos reigns Hope you didn't vote for Marcos. Chaos reigns. Else you're dead. Else your head's gonna explode. <laughs> Bye.